0: Hello, this is Leslie Garfield-Tenzer and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm thrilled to be speaking with Professor Amy Guida about privacy rights. We have a great episode this week. Leading privacy rights expert Amy Guida, the class of 1937 professor of law at Toon Lane University School of Law, joins us to speak about the four privacy torts. Professor Gaida is recognized internationally for her work concerning the right to privacy. In 2015, she authored The First Amendment Bubble, How Privacy and Paparazzi Threaten a Free Press, and Viking Press will publish her next book, tentatively titled The Secret History of the Right to Privacy. In this episode, Professor Gaida explains the four privacy torts, and we end up with a discussion of Bolia versus Gawker, the case in which Hulk Hogan sued Gawker and won. The conversation is peppered with pop culture references, always a favorite of mine, and one that will leave you well prepared for any course testing privacy rights. And now here's my discussion with Professor Amy Gaida. Um, so I'd love to talk about right to privacy in the torts context because um, I'm a tort professor, I don't teach it. But I think privacy means something so different now than it meant when I went to law school. You know, it it does. I mean, it actually it's
1: it's been defined, at least in a tort sense, uh, the same way since 1977, which is when the Restatement. Uh, of torts, then defined the privacy torts and told us that uh, they include misappropriation, which is the the use of another's um, name or identity without permission; mm-hmm. uh, intrusion into seclusion, which mm-hmm. is then the peering in on someone who is secluded; publication of private facts, which is then the public it's the gossip tort. Um, the publishing of uh, private information about another person that is highly offensive and not newsworthy, and then false light, which is related to defamation, and not as many um, jurisdictions accept um, accept that. So because we've had those torts defined that way since 1977, uh, that is those are the parameters when we talk about the privacy torts that's what we mean uh, although today uh if somebody brings an invasion of privacy lawsuit very often they'll include intentional infliction of emotional distress mm-hmm. along with um many of the other as many of the other privacy torts as applies
0: and so it's like a basket and and to be clear defamation is not a privacy tort but that's, That's right. But right.
1: false light is right. and false light is very similar to defamation. Mm-hmm. It's it's not um except uh, false light is false information that is uh not necessarily reputation harming, just highly offensive. If you say that, if you say false information about another that is highly offensive, uh, then uh, that can be um, a, a false light claim, and actual malice um, then comes into play there too. But because it's so remarkably similar to defamation, mm-hmm. um, only about thirty jurisdictions accept false light as as um, as one of the privacy torts.
0: It's interesting. Well, I teach torts, and as, as I said, I don't really cover this, but I know that the misappropriation case of the bobblehead Martin Luther King. did you know that case? Mm-mm someone created a Martin Luther King bobblehead Yeah, and Martin Luther King's family sued them Mm -hmm. for misappropriation. They did not want his likeness as a bobblehead. Sure. And the, the classic, uh,
1: case though, the classic misappropriation case is a use of someone's name or identity in advertising. And so, uh, and so if in fact you have, um, a celebrity, uh, any store cannot decide to use that celebrity in their advertising. Uh, or it would be misappropriation or a right to publicity claim. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of students, I think, are especially surprised to, to hear this because even if it's true, so e- if you have a restaurant, for example, and some famous celebrity comes to the restaurant and eats, you would think that you would be allowed then to boast about this right. in some way. Right. Uh, but you can't create an ad that suggests as much. Um, because that would be a misappropriation of someone's um, identity. An interesting question today is whether social media was m- ask you that. Yeah, might in <laughs> fact be, um, might in fact be then a misappropriation, uh, a valid misappropriation or right to publicity claim. Uh, at this point, no court has decided it that I know of. But a number of um, celebrities have sued for social media uh, identifiers then um, by, um, by Companies, even when it's true. So, for for, yeah, for example, example yeah. one of the um, one there's a, a celebrity who was leaving a, a Dwayne Reed uh, drugstore uh, in New York. And the Dwayne Reed drugstore then um, tweeted out, mm-hmm. uh, "Here's so and so leaving um, leaving a drugstore, one of our drugstores," uh, and um, and then uh, the attorney for the celebrity um, threatened a, a lawsuit. Uh, and I believe that the tweet was taken down, but um, but I could be wrong about that. So I don't know of any courts that have decided as much anymore. But it's a really interesting question because so many social media posts are, in fact, advertising the celebrity. Is paid to post something, and if um, post something uh, that supports uh, a, a company or a store. And if, in fact, a company or a store is able to simply post that information itself, that means that the celebrity doesn't make money off a future post. And, uh, and so it could be a valid misappropriation claim.
0: And thats I have another question, but to your point, that's where the harm comes in, is the loss of economic ability, right? That's
1: right. And so that's a real right to publicity um, right. Uh, question, that sort of intellectual property right that celebrities have in, in their um, in their personas, their name, yeah, their, brand, their identity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, but everyday people also have the right to sue for misappropriation. So any student, for example, at a law school, if their image is used in an ad for a restaurant without their permission, for example, they too can sue for misappropriation. So misappropriation isn't just the use of a celebrity's image, it can also be the use of anyone's image. And again, even if it's 100% true, even if the student did in fact go to that restaurant or did in fact go to that amusement park, the amusement park, the restaurant are not allowed to use their identities um, in an ad Uh, without without permission and if they do then uh, it can be a misappropriation claim
0: well i have two questions so so let's take the first which is let's say that i go to commander's palace we're in new orleans right now Mm -hmm. so let's say i go to commander's palace and i put on my instagram account just had the most delicious brunch at commander's palace Mm -hmm. and then commander's palace retweets that Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or re-instagrams that Is that a misappropriation because I'm the one who put myself in that situation and now they're taking the fact that I was there and they're capitalizing on it because I said it was a terrific brunch.
1: Right. So so I'm not sure the way a court would look at that. I think it would be a difficult claim only because you put that information out there yourself. And so therefore, it doesn't seem like as as strict a use necessarily mm-hmm. I think that that's that may be the way a court would look at it but because this whole idea of social media and advertising misappropriation is so incredibly new um we don't really know then where uh, where courts might go with that
0: So are there elements to the tort of misappropriation?
1: Yeah. So uh, the way the restatement defines misappropriation is uh, the appropriation of someone's name or likeness uh, for the other's use or benefit. So in other words, if a store then uses another's name or likeness, Mm -hmm. or benefits from another's name or likeness, then that can be a valid misappropriation claim. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in advertising. So there is a a case that I tell my students about uh, that involved the use of a child's image on the cover of a charity um, brochure. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the charity was looking for people to donate to the charity, um, and they used an image of a child on the cover of the brochure. Uh, the child then sued uh, for misappropriation, and that was successful. So that was a successful misappropriation claim. Even though the child was poor, even though the child did need money, uh-huh. that was a use That's of the child's identity, um, and, and that was a sufficient um, uh, misappropriation claim.
0: And does the benefit have to be a financial benefit, or can it be any kind of benefit?
1: No, it can be any sort of benefit. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, have to be financial. So, um, so there's another uh, case that uh, I sometimes have my students read uh, involving um, a department store that uh, used a picture of a model. Um, Advertising a Henley shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, and the the ad said, "This is Don with an arrow pointing at the man. This is Don's Henley." <laughs> And this, then, I have
0: to say Don Henley is an eagle is also an eagle, but anyway, yeah. right, exactly, and so
1: that's what the idea was. Don Henley is right. the, a famous singer. Or right. Was a number of years yeah. ago uh, when he <laughs> was with boring, a, yeah. a band <laughs> called the Eagles, uh, and uh, so he sued for misappropriation of his identity. It wasn't his picture, but he argued that Don's Henley is in fact his name, and a and a, a federal district court, a federal trial court. Uh, found that, in fact, that was a valid misappropriation okay. right to publicity um, uh, claim, even though the department store could prove that it hadn't made any money off of that ad. Mm-hmm. So the department store somehow proved that it hadn't made money. But what the court said is that uh, that that language then caught the eye of readers, and that is enough of a benefit. Wow. So it doesn't have to be financial. That sort of eye-catching use of... Um, of uh, a wordplay um, was enough for the Don Henley's um,
0: identity. Interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. What's another um, privacy? What's what's one of the um, privacy rights that students struggle with most? Do you think? So, I think
1: I'll, I'll tell you what I think is sort of interesting today. I'll give you two different um, examples. Mm-hmm. Um, remembering again that intentional infliction of emotional distress also comes into play with um, with the privacy torts. But, but one I think that's highly relevant today is the intrusion into seclusion tort. Uh, and what intrusion into seclusion uh, is, is an intentional intrusion upon another's solitude or seclusion, or their private affairs or concerns, as long as that action would be highly offensive to a reasonable person. Okay. So the classic example is if you are in your bathroom, mm-hmm. going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. if someone looks in on you, then that is a valid um, intrusion claim. There doesn't have to be any revelation of the information. It's just the looking in on someone. So the peeping Tom tort wow. is okay. basically is basically an intrusion um, action. So a peeping Tom action would, in fact, then be a valid um, intrusion claim, the way we think about a a peeping Tom. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: But what I think is interesting now and what courts are struggling with as well is whether when we are in a somewhat secluded space. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, if we're in a restaurant and the two of us are having lunch and unbeknownst to me, you're recording our conversation. Right. There are people who walk by, people can listen in. Whether that could be a valid intrusion into seclusion claim. Okay. Because traditionally it's when we are absolutely secluded, when we're by ourselves in some way or in some place where we deserve to be secluded. Right. And if there's, if you're in a public restaurant, the argument is, well, you're not really secluded. There are right. people walking by, and a federal appellate court decided that in fact you can be secluded when you're outside. You can be secluded when you are in a public restaurant, if in fact the recording is is if, if someone uses a device to then overhear. A discussion that is in that sort of a private place that there is it can be a valid intrusion into seclusion claim.
0: Interesting. And I do want to point out to to the listeners that this is for purposes of tort, not Fourth Amendment privacy rights. It's very it's different. Exactly. But the same harm, but also you would sue the government if it's a Fourth Amendment right, and you would sue the other individual. Was, right, and and yeah. that's
1: something that I think students are unclear, especially well, first year well, students, yeah. of course. Taking, that
0: uh, oh yeah yeah
1: yeah so so that that tort the torts that we're talking about today then allow the person whose privacy is invaded to sue the person whose privacy who who invaded their privacy mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and get money for it. Right. Uh, whereas if the government comes in and some sort of invasion of privacy um, action in a criminal sense. Uh, for example, uh, then it's the state that punishes the individual, and the classic example there is if someone puts a hidden camera into a, a public bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that act is both a crime in most, if not all, jurisdictions, right. uh, and it can also be a tort. It's the tort of intrusion into seclusion, and, right. and right. so the government can can bring a criminal action right. against the person who placed the camera. And the person who is recorded going to the bathroom then can also bring an intrusion claim against the person who put the camera in the bathroom.
0: It's yet another example of torts and crim, you know, that are married because it's the same action, the same conduct. Um, But, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about this seclusion I was thinking about two things. I was thinking about when, let's say, Jennifer Aniston married Brad Pitt and all the helicopters came in and watched it, or even the use of drones today. Yeah. So, but would you argue that if someone famous gets married in Malibu, Mm -hmm. pop culture, as you can tell, Mm -hmm. plays into my life, um, do you not have a right to that seclusion anymore because you've chosen to get married outdoors, even if you're in a venue? So it it very likely today, even though we do have
1: this shift toward this notion that you can be private and public mm-hmm. uh, that generally with that hypothetical the um, it would you're just not secluded if you're if you're outdoors uh, there there was um a case, and I'm not sure that it a court ever decided it um, but and I can't remember which celebrity it was. I think it was Jennifer Aniston. Uh, she was uh, sunbathing in her backyard, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a wall that then prevented people from um, from seeing her. Uh, and a paparazzo then used some sort of lens that allowed uh, him, I assume, to um, to peer into the wall, uh, and then. Uh, record her uh, and she threatened or actually brought an invasion of privacy claim and and that is actually there's a much better argument that you're, you are secluded in that way even though you're outside if you're behind a wall right. that people walking by will not be able to see you because of, uh, then, um, then that's a better argument than getting married outside, you know, and, and, and recognizing that you're a celebrity and and all that, that sort of behavior would very likely not be highly offensive. Even if an, even if a court found you to be secluded outside, it very likely would not be, um, highly offensive.
0: Why is that not
1: highly offensive? Because um, because highly offensive uh, suggests not not a subjective determination, uh, but much more of um, an objective sense. What would a reasonable person um, uh, find is is highly offensive? What courts have traditionally said is um, if there is a uh, if someone is outside in that sort of public space, around a lot of other people, in that way, right. it's just not highly offensive right. to um, to even use technology to peer um, inside in that way.
0: Right. Okay. And so, so that kind of begs the question for me: of has the court shifted its its kind of opinion, for lack of a better word, of privacy as technology has eroded? our privacy or our expectation of privacy.
1: Sure, I think you see that in the case that I mentioned involving uh, involving the court that finds a valid privacy claim in a public restaurant. Uh, even though people can overhear, the notion is that that use of technology, the recording device that is in a cell phone then, uh, can be, the court said, an intrusion into seclusion. And and the focus there on the technology is actually not so, it's not so new um, because uh, because the restatement suggests that it's possible to use technology and intrude onto another seclusion. So for example, the restatement uses the example of Uh, someone looking in with binoculars at another person who's on the second floor of uh, a house. And that, then the restatement suggests, can be a valid intrusion into seclusion claim, the use of binoculars, the use of technology. There's also another um, famous case uh, from California where um, a nurse was miked by a reality television show. She went to an accident scene. she inter- she asked questions of the, the accident victim. Uh, and uh, that was later then shown on um, TV. Uh, and the court found that the, the mic on the nurse, uh, that level of technology that allowed us to listen in to information we otherwise would not hear then created a valid intrusion into seclusion claim so um, so the focus on technology is not so unusual We've had that since at least 1977 but um, but today courts are grappling with it much more because people are using this levels uh, the, right. these levels of technology that didn't used to be available to right. us anymore
0: right or before yeah no I mean even Google Earth. Mm-hmm. I, there was there was i read in the paper so i don't think it's really a case of somebody that was outside a house at a time when google earth took a picture and mm-hmm. when they showed the picture they showed him somewhere that he shouldn't have been yeah and um
1: yeah and so that that potentially could be a valid intrusion claim, it, as long as, I mean, part of the problem is that there has to be an intentional intrusion, and so therefore it's very likely Google oh, Earth would not be liable, but there are, at least there used to be websites, and this was a long time ago when Google Earth first began, um, that, uh, that, said, uh, that that said uh, that... Um, that were uh, titled something like uh, "Top Ten Nude People on Google Earth." So, uh, so <laughs> there was literally then the republication in that yeah. way of, um, of people who were nude. You couldn't really tell much uh-huh. um, from uh, from the pictures because it w- they were taken by satellites. Right. Uh, but um, but you're right that that is a very interesting question um, about um, about intrusion into seclusion.
0: That's interesting. And there was a case that you wanted to talk about um, that you mentioned earlier. What was the case? Oh, the Hulk Hogan case. Yes, 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 yes. yeah. All right, so, so let's talk about the Hulk Hogan case. What privacy right did that implicate?
1: So there were um, there were a number of claims in that case, but what I think is um, is most um, interesting, uh, in addition to uh, an intentional infliction of emotional distress um, claim. So that was another case in which. Uh, a uh, person who claimed that their privacy had been invaded right. brought both the privacy torts uh, and then also an IIED claim.
0: So, so this was a this was a lawsuit against the National Enquirer. Right? It
1: was against Gawker.
0: Gawker, um, right? Okay, I'm so sorry. this was against Gawker. Mm-hmm. And what did Gawker do?
1: So what Gawker did was Gawker published a sex tape featuring professional wrestler Hulk Hogan, uh, and um, and. Uh, and this was against Hulk Hogan's wishes in the video. Uh, he is uh, nude uh, and he's engaging in what I would say um, was graphic sex with a woman mm-hmm. not uh, his wife not his wife right, right. and uh, and so Gawker then published um, this uh, sex tape saying it wasn't safe for work but watch it anyway. Uh, And so Hulk Hogan brought an invasion of privacy claim. Uh, And there, um, much of the focus or one of the the interesting uh, torts there is publication of private facts or publicity given private life. And so the argument that Hulk Hogan made um, was that Gawker had published then this information that concerned his private life, a sex tape, uh, and that the information was or would be highly offensive to a reasonable person if somebody's sex tape was revealed against their wishes, right. and also is not of legitimate public concern. Right. And so, okay. as long as Hulk Hogan can yeah. prove those things, then he wins um, his invasion of privacy claim.
0: And he won, and he brought down Gawker.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, what the, the reason why publication is of private facts is so interesting to me is because mostly it used to be that uh that celebrities would lose these cases because everything a celebrity does is a public concern mm-hmm. everything a celebrity does is newsworthy and so therefore it was extremely rare for anyone to win a publication of private facts claim celebrity or not uh, because of this very broad defense in a way that if it's newsworthy, sorry, if you lose. Right. So the argument there was, is a sex tape featuring Hulk Hogan newsworthy or not? Hulk Hogan made the argument, no, his nudity is, is not, the graphic sex is just not newsworthy. Gawker um, made the argument, uh, in effect, that uh, that, yes, Hulk Hogan had made the this sex tape newsworthy because he talked about his sexual prowess, um, both on Howard Stern uh, and um, and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, Gawker said, hey, this is a public concern. This is newsworthy. Gawker, um, or sorry, Hulk Hogan made it so by talking with media about his sex life before. Uh, and so that was the clash. Got it. And, and interestingly, before it went to trial, uh, two different courts decided that Gawker won. Hmm. It was initially decided by a federal um, district court, Right. Uh, and the federal district court decided that Gawker would win, in effect, because the information was newsworthy and Gawker had decided as much. So, very much sort of the 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 old way of looking at publication of private facts cases: if the media tells us. It's newsworthy. Then who are we to second guess the media? Same decision from the intermediate level Florida appellate court. Okay. Um, so they decided too that the information was newsworthy and that uh, and that um, that Gawker should be protected. But it goes back to the trial court anyway because that was on um, an injunction. Yeah, they
0: deciding it, an, uh, yeah, yeah. and so, yeah.
1: But the language was definitely pro Gawker wow. in both of uh-huh. those. Uh-huh. It goes back then to the uh, to the. Uh, the trial court uh, and uh, the jury decides that it is a valid uh, invasion of privacy claim Hmm. invalid um, or sorry, a valid uh, publication of private facts claim and awards Hulk Hogan around 140 million uh, for um, the invasion of privacy. uh, And then that's reduced uh, later in, um, in a settlement uh, for I think around 30, 30 million or, um, or thereabouts But that case, I think, has, to my mind, opened the door to invasion of privacy claims Mm -hmm. in this publication of private facts sense. That if, in fact, suddenly celebrities can win these cases and can then uh, get millions of dollars from a publisher... That's going to intrigue some plaintiffs' attorneys, I think, and we are seeing, I think, more successful causes of action for invasion of privacy simply because of the Hulk
0: Hogan case. I, that, I mean, that's great, and it's As again, as as we said, I think we might have said it before we we went on tape. I find it ironic but wonderful that they are, in, that the courts are protecting privacy at a time when so many people. Are not protecting their privacy, so yeah. Um, I just want to I want to pivot for one more moment sure. and talk about intentional infliction of emotional distress. I know we weren't going to, but it's come up so often. And as you're talking, so intentional infliction of emotional distress has the four elements: you have to intend to cause conduct that is extreme and outrageous, right? And that conduct causes the harm. And so. I found when I taught torts, it's really hard to prove extreme and outrageous. You know, there's the case that you stink me was not saying to someone that was not extreme and outrageous. Um, So what constitutes extreme and outrageous conduct in this privacy context?
1: So... So I would say that um, that the publication of a sex tape against um, or the publication of nude photos, mm-hmm. uh, those sorts of things. And as you know, the uh, the test is that it would ex- it would cause the average member of the community to exclaim "outrageous," right. uh, and which isn't very helpful. Well, that is, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> that that's how that's we prove problem. outrageousness. Right, right, right. Uh, but but that at least uh, uh, so far those intentional infliction of emotional distress cases that have been successful do seem to involve that level of, um, of publication, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to something that is parody or, um, or something that is, uh, that, that is, uh, arguably of public concern, uh, in some way. It's the, it's the publication of, um, that sort of nude image, like, um, like, um,
0: well, Hulk uh, Hogan having sex. And, yeah. and But I would right. suspect you'd have to pick a jury that wasn't sending nude selfies to their, you know, buddies and that kind of stuff. Because, well, then I would say it's not extreme. You know, if they're the community, if the jurors are the community.
1: Right? Yeah,
0: it, it depends, though, because
1: there you, there, if you should, and by my mind, this is the way a court would look at it and, and potentially the way a jury would look at it. But on appeal, a court may look at it this way. If in fact, you have sent a nude photo to one other person. That doesn't give the one other person the right to then post that photo on a website.
0: I agree. Yeah. yeah. And no, so that I agree. Yeah.
1: Right. And so, therefore, even though you've put your nude photo out there in sending it to someone mm-hmm. through the internet um, or otherwise, uh, that doesn't mean that that person has the right to do with it whatever he or she wants and it would be arguably then that behavior uh uh, publishing that intimate photo then would create the outrageousness for um for a jury
0: right i i guess yeah i guess i was just thinking about and and this is kind of a meta question is that i feel that society's standard of what is outrageous vis-a-vis publication of body parts in some ways unfortunately Is a very low standard. Not for everyone. I mean, thankfully, you know, we have movements about, you know, taking agency of your own body, but I guess I'm just being cynical in my thought of jurors who have engaged in the sure. new selfie. But I
1: but, but that. interestingly so I I talk about these issues both with my information privacy class but I also teach it in my torts class. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that at least by class discussion and by facial expressions and by vote sometimes because I'll ask the students as much they believe that 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 nudity should be protected, and so even though what they've said very recently to me uh, in class is, even though they might decide to send a nude so, selfie in that way, that doesn't mean that they think that that information is any less protected. Understand? Yes, so, I understand now. Yes, yeah. that makes
0: sense. Well, that's good. Well, thank goodness for. Our law students and I. That's right. We don't know necessarily that this is a great... That's right. That's right. That's wonderful. Um, So you've really nicely laid out the privacy torts. You've given us the elements of some of the privacy torts and um, intentional infliction of emotional distress. I think we now know what would be extreme and outrageous. I really appreciate your taking the time and explaining this to me. Oh, sure. It was delightful talking with you. Thanks so much. So that's my discussion with Professor Gaida. Keep an eye out for her book, The Secret History of the Right to Privacy, to be published by Viking Press. If you want to hear more about Professor Guida's thoughts on Hulk Hogan and its legacy, check out the YouTube video published as part of the First Amendment Watch video series, where she shares her views. It's terrific. I'll publish the link in our liner notes. Remember, this and all of our episodes remain available as long as the podcast continues. Lot of Fact is always free to you and really a labor of love on my part and the part of all who join me. So all we ask is that you like us, you rate us, you subscribe to us on any of the platforms on which you're listening to us. And as always, you can reach us at lotoffact at gmail.com or tweet us at Lot with any topic suggestions or professor suggestions you may have. We've got some great suggestions over the past two years. Keep them coming. That's it for this week. Have a great day.